appreciate the freedom that we enjoy, not forgetting that it has come at a cost, the sacrifice of many that have laid down their lives. Now, I want to share with you a message, and it's probably going to continue next Sunday as well. I've entitled it, This Means War. This Means War. If you don't know it, if you are a Christ follower, you and I signed up to be part of the Lord's army, to be part of war against not people. For Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, wicked spirits in the heavenlies. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ at large treats people like they're the enemy. And we forget that Paul makes it clear our true enemy is not flesh and blood. It is these unseen spiritual dark forces that are under the leadership of the devil, our chief adversary. And sometimes what happens is that we forget that those that are promoting an agenda a way of living that is contrary to God's word, are doing so because they are blinded by the God of this world. And what we must understand as a church, our job is not to fight them. It's to fight against the one who is manipulating and blinding. And we are to treat people respectfully, honorably, and also be lovingly confrontational and truthful, but at the same time keeping in mind they are not the enemy. And I believe the church has lost, in some sense, its ability to convince the unsaved of what we have to offer because we're so about what we're against and not what we're for. And also, we act like we're against them, not understanding they're not the issue. So I want to share with you on this topic, this means war. There is a gentleman that I have come to admire and respect that I believe God is using to help the body of Christ to be effective in our mission to reach the world. His name is Nicky Gumbel, and he wrote a booklet entitled Alpha Questions of Life, and I'm reading out of what he wrote in the 2007 edition. He wrote these words, Satan and his minions were defeated on the cross. And we are now involved in the final mopping operation, mopping up operation before the return of Jesus. As Christians, we need not be afraid of Satan. He has a great deal to fear from the activity of Christians. We are called to pray. We are involved in spiritual warfare, though the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10.4. He continues, prayer was a very high priority for Jesus, and it should be for us. In the words of the hymn, Satan trembles When he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. Again, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. As a young believer, 
seeking to grow in my prayer life. I read several books by an author that not only instructed me, but ignited in me a passion to pray. His name was E.M. Bounds. My father had left me a book by him entitled A Treasury or The Treasury on Prayer. And he penned these words. He said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. He also penned these words. A person who can pray is the mightiest instrument Christ has in this world. A praying church is stronger than all the gates of hell. Mm. Someone noted, pray last and fail fast. Be smart and pray at the start. I like that. The Apostle Paul, who spoke to us and speaks to us of our the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in, also penned these words in that same passage in Ephesians 6.18. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. He said, pray in the Spirit when? At all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The same Apostle Paul who wrote these words also stated in his first letter to the church of Corinth the following. In 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. What a claim. He was saying that he prayed in tongues more than all the church put together. And when I think of that, I say, is it any wonder that this man would later say in his second letter to the church of Corinth that he was taken to the third heaven and he received an abundance of revelations, some of which he could not share. He was given access to insight, to downloads from heaven about the mysteries and the ways of God. This same man who said, I thank God I pray more in tongues than you all, is also the one that pinned up to half of the books of the New Testament. Think about it. I believe that it is not coincidental that the man who prayed most in tongues really is the apostle who was most effective at communicating to the church the mind, the will of the Father. Because I believe that one of the benefits of praying in the Holy Spirit is that it elevates you. It Praying in tongues does not make me any better than you, but it makes me better than who I am. So, if you don't know it by now, I'm going to talk about praying in the Spirit. Now, some of you are like, ooh, I heard about these tongue-talking wild Christians. Now, if you know Pastor Angel, um, I'm grounded. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I do not do what I do do. No, that didn't sound right. Why are y'all laughing? You do do too. <laughs> so I want to share with you that there are benefits to praying in the Spirit 
that can give us the upper hand in spiritual warfare. A benefit of praying in the Spirit. Here we go. First, it gives you the ability to talk to God alone, frustrating the devil. Praying in the Spirit. It gives you the ability to talk to God alone, frustrating the devil. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 14.2. He says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. The word mysteries means divine secrets. Now, here's the neat thing. That when you and I pray in this gift, this prayer language, that God wants to give all of His children called the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's actually a birthright according to Peter's message on Pentecost in Acts 2.39. He said the promise is for you and your children and for as many as the Lord shall call. How many of you have been called of the Lord and you're saved now? Well, then you have the birthright to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You have that birthright. Somebody's trying to take a picture of me. There you go. I'll make it easy. (laughs) Now, if you were to talk to my, especially my older grandkids, they would tell you that grandpa has his own language. There's words that I made up. And they would hear me say it, and I'd say, don't be a shamuhu. And I, I'd just make up all these words. And, and if you're ever in the truck with me, and I'm, I'm dealing with road rage, I make up words. Because I can't cuss as a believer. So I make that. I go, and I'll say, you are being a, but not a cuss word, okay? But I know what I'm saying. But nobody else knows. Paul says here that when you pray in the Spirit, no one understands you. And watch this. Even the devil does not have a decoder system that can translate, interpret what you are communicating directly to God. Isn't that awesome to know that not only do you and I have a 24-7 hotline to God, but the devil cannot decipher or decode what we're talking to God about when we pray in the Spirit. You see, our adversary, the devil, brings certain things against us to discourage us and try to cause us to lose focus. Praying in tongues enables us to bypass his radar system. There are two, two great weapons that have been instrumental in warfare in our day and age. One has been the ability to fly fighter jets and bombers without being detected by radar. This is done by what's called stealth bombers. Stealth means to have the ability to go undetected by enemy radar. The second has been the ability to jam the radar by sending a false signal. As you pray in the Spirit... And shout your way through your storm. This sends a signal to the devil that totally jams his radar system. 
In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, there were several occasions when the enemies of God's people were thrown into confusion and ended up turning on each other and wiping each other out. I believe that's what happens when we pray in the Spirit. That when you and I decide, in the middle of my pressure, in the middle of panic, in the middle of the pressure that I'm undergoing, I'm going to pray in praise unto God through the Spirit. Because 1 Corinthians 14, 17 says that one of the things that happens when I'm praying, yeah, I'm praying in tongues right now, is that I'm not just talking to God directly, I'm giving thanks well. When I pray in tongues, I'm glorifying God. I'm praising Him. And the devil, he can't decipher what I'm praising God for. But all he knows is, I'm putting all this pressure on him, but he's not giving up. Instead, he's praising God more. He's lifting up his voice to the Lord. You see, when I choose, instead of yielding to my trouble, to pray in tongues, it throws the devil into confusion. When I choose, instead of yielding to the temptation, to worship God in adoration by the Spirit. It confuses the author of confusion, the devil. And it causes his minions, his demons, to miss, to, to, to be confused about how is it that this child of God is not yielding, not giving in to discouragement, but instead is drawing near to God and praising Him in this language that we have no idea what He's talking about, but apparently it's doing something for Him because He's continuing on in His walk with the Lord. Woo! Derek Prince said this. I love it. He said, prayer is limitless. It's our intercontinental ballistic missile. We can launch it from anywhere and make it reach anywhere. Understand, you and I have a gift by God that He wants to give us as His children that will empower us and be a weapon. Against the enemy. Now, another benefit to praying in the Spirit, it edifies the person praying. It edifies the person praying. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Watch this. The word edify means to build up, to build on, to establish a structure and expand it through addition. What are you saying, Pastor? When we pray in tongues, we are enlarging our borders. If you have more ministry than prayer life, add on. If you have outgrown where you are, add on. Mm -hmm. The more I pray in the Spirit, the more I'm strengthened. I'm strengthened within To be able to support more. What do you think, Pastor? The more I build up my inner man through praying in the Holy Spirit, the more I'm bracing in order to have more support. This is why, as God has opened more doors of opportunity for me, as I get more opportunities to carry out the gift and the ministry He's called me to, I've I've, I've been deliberate and diligent to add more time in praying in the Holy Spirit. Because I know that in order to support more weight of responsibility in ministry, I need to strengthen, I need to brace any areas in my life that will need to 
to be strengthened and braced in order to handle more weight of ministry and responsibility. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are growing stronger within. Now, all of you that are involved in, in, in exercise and working out, you know what you're doing. You're building up the ability to resist more. You're building up the ability to handle more. You're building up the ability to deal with more stress than the average Joe that is not in shape. You see, this is why you and I need to understand when God gave us the Holy Spirit, it was more than to bring goosebumps to our bodies. It was to strengthen us within to such a degree that no matter what hits us, we bounce back because of a strength inside that is resilient, a strength inside that is more powerful than the pressure on the outside. And so there's times you see Pastor Angel up here and you're like, hey, well, he's talking real fast up there while he's waiting to get the pulpit. What's he doing? Some of you are trying to say, okay, let me see if I can see what he's saying. Who stole my Honda, untie my bow tie? No, I'm not saying that. But I am praying in the Holy Spirit. And I do that a lot. I do that a lot in my prayer time. Early morning prayer time, I pray in the Holy Spirit. I, even on the road, I pray in the Holy Spirit, especially when I'm dealing with road rage. Help me, Lord. And I pray a lot because I know what's happening. I'm building up my inner being, my inner man. I'm being braced in areas that, that, that have been experiencing pressure and are starting to lean or bend. But when I pray in the Spirit, it's reinforced. There's a bracing that happens. And then it's like, wait a minute. It seemed like you were going to go under that thing. How is it that you made it through? Because when I prayed in the Spirit, I got braced. I got strengthened. I'm not the same person that I was two days ago because I've been praying in the Spirit and I've been strengthened. I'm stronger now. You see? And, and this is what Jude says in Jude one twenty. But you, beloved... Pray, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Watch this. The word build is an architectural word. That means to cause a building to stand. It means to lay a good foundation. In the natural realm, it is always important to leave yourself the ability to add on to your building in case you need to expand in the future. If you have outgrown your spiritual house The Holy Spirit gives you the resources to add on to meet your demand. What are you saying? Again, if you have more ministry than you have a place to house it, build on. Are there weak areas in your structure? Then build them up. You do this by praying in the Holy Spirit. And then there's another benefit to praying in the Spirit. It helps us gain the upper hand in our spiritual warfare. What does Paul say? Now I'm reading out of the New King James. In Ephesians 6.18 in the New King James, he says, watch this, praying always. Praying always. Then he says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Watch this. There's a a footnote in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible related to this verse. And it reads this way, and it's going to go on the screen right now. Praying always, watch this, is literally every order of praying. The specific method by which spiritual warfare is carried on. Then, prayer is to include supplication in the Spirit. 
a phrase that elucidates Romans 8, 26, 27 and Jude 1, 20, where Holy Spirit assisted prayer is taught and directed. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul clearly shows that such praying may include prayer in a tongue not known to the person praying. Watch this. Praying always means literally every order of praying, speaking of the specific method. Let me show you how this works practically. In my journey, I've learned the importance of waiting on the Spirit to know which method He would have me to employ in prayer. You see, some mornings when I get up, the Spirit prompts me to sing. Not pray, sing. Sing a theme. Sometimes it's the theme of God's love for me. Other times it's my love for God. Other times he'll give me the theme of singing on the faithfulness of God. So I get all the songs in my mind that have to do with that theme and I sing. Here's what you need to know. If the Spirit's directing you in that method, not only are you worshiping God, you're warring in the Spirit. There are other times that in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit will just have me cry out to God. Because he'll put a burden of prayer on me. He'll put a burden on prayer on me and say, this is what you need to cry out to God for at this moment today. A situation rises up. A petition is presented that really starts to weigh on my heart. And the Holy Spirit says, today, this is how you start your prayer time. You just cry out to God for this. And you have to understand, when you do that, you're not only petitioning God, you're warring. You're warring in the Spirit. There's other times when all I do is pray in tongues for a whole hour, just praying in tongues. Then there's other times the Holy Spirit will say, today, use the method of praying through the Lord's Prayer. Or use a method of use praying through the prayer of Jabez. And I'll do that. And I'll pray through that during my prayer time. What I'm saying to you, don't get in a routine. Because when you get stuck in a routine, you end up in a rut. And then you and I become ineffective and unproductive in spiritual warfare. Because we forget our praying time is not just about us. It's about partnership with the Holy Spirit by which we can defeat the powers of darkness in warfare. And that's why he concludes the passage of warfare with praying. To let us know there is a power that's unleashed through prayer, but prayer that is based on the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, again, the Spirit gives us different orders in our spiritual Prayer orders in our spiritual battles. But also when we are in the spirit, he gives us divine insight and foresight to defeat the enemy. So I'm going to share with you two passages out of the Old Testament that reveal the benefits that there are when you and I employ the order, the direction the spirit prompts us in to pray. Watch this. Watch this. And now some of you are going to be like, is pastor speaking in tongues? No, I'm just reading real fast these passages. Okay. So let's start off with 2 Chronicles 14, 8 through 15. 2 Chronicles 14, 8 through 15 in the New King James. Watch this. It says, And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against him with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Merisha. So Asa went out against him, and they set troops in battle array in the valley of Zephatha at Merisha. 
And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against the multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled, and Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. What do we learn here about prayer? Oh, this is it. Watch it. When the odds are against you, because remember, God's army had about 580,000. The opposing army, the Ethiopians, had over a million. Almost two to one odds against them. But when the odds are against you, cry out to the God who is for you. When the odds are against you, cry, that's what Asa teaches us. Cry out to the God who is for you. Why? Because if you pray, when he directs you to pray, even though you feel powerless and overwhelmed by what has come against you, when you pray, you then invite God into the battlefield. And how many of you know you can say with confidence when you're praying, God and I make a majority. It doesn't matter who who's against you if God be for you who can be against you child of God you and I have within our reach at our disposal the ability to experience a turnaround even when everything seems turned against us it's called prayer don't you keep yourself quiet in a corner just saying I guess I got to put up with it no you don't you get on your knees and pray to the one who is powerful Watch this. And also, when we feel powerless and pray, God will show himself powerful and have the last say. I love that. Now, one more passage. You ready? 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. And again, I'm, I'm reading Pastor Angel fast style. Before... It says, it says, well, now, listen, listen. now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the men of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, watch this, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out there, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. 
So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and there you were, there they were, inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said, Elisha, my father, shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, and they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after that, they ate and drank. He sat them, sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria raiders, raiders were no more into that, went more, no more into the land of Israel. Do you see what he's saying here? No, pastor. Explain. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Now watch it. There's a Bible teacher by the name of Dick Eastman, and he, he, he brings out some nuggets out of this passage. The first is this. To believe for the impossible, one must first see the invisible. To believe for the impossible, one must first see the invisible. Next, prayer is the key to discerning our adversaries' stratagems. Prayer is a key to discerning our adversaries' stratagems. And thirdly, Elisha did not ask God simply to show the servant another miracle. He asked for his servant to see another dimension. So he, 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 he puts it into capsule form this way. Seeing into the invisible is a key to victorious praying. Discerning spiritual issues comes from God's perspective rather than from a human perspective. Seeing the adversary attack plan and perceiving God's angelic strike force. Wow. Did you see when he prayed, God opened eyes. And when he prayed... God blinded. Why? Because he was in the spirit. He knew what to pray. And when he was in prayer, you know what was happening? God downloaded to him the enemy's strategy. So that when the enemy made a move, he could counter move and have the upper hand. You see, when you and I pray in the spirit, God downloads into us. He gives us revelation. He gives us insight. He shows us which way to take. He shows us what to say. He shows us what decision to make. If we're praying in the Spirit, that's what happens. You get the leading, the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And no matter what the enemy does, no matter what move he makes, by the end of the day, you're going to be the one standing saying, checkmate. Because you will always have the upper hand. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not leave you in the dark. He opens your eyes to see. And he, when he prayed, what happened? This servant of his was able to see, ooh-wee, yeah, we're surrounded by natural enemies. Oh, but the spiritual forces that are with us are much more in number than those that are against us. I want you to understand, when you pray in the Spirit, it does more than put goosebumps all over your body. What it does, it puts an assurance in you. It gives you a knowing in your knower that I'm not the one right here. I'm not the one at a disadvantage. I've got the advantage because God has two-thirds of heaven's angels still at his disposal. And he will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. They will bear me up in their hands, lest my foot strike against a stone. I'm surrounded. I'm shielded. I am blessed. I have my head being lifted because my God is for me. What I want you to understand, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, it does more than bless God. It bothers the devil and it builds you up. It equips you. It braces you. It strengthens you so that you will be the overcomer in the middle of the war. So I'm saying to you, exercise what God has given you. So let me wrap this up with an insight or insights shared by Rich 
Pastor Rich Belotus from New York. He makes three statements on the Holy Spirit and our feelings. First of all, the Holy Spirit cannot be reduced to our feelings. Why? Feelings come, feelings go. Sometimes you're going to feel, ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit. And other times you're not going to feel nothing. That's why we don't lean on our feelings. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't go by what our senses tell us. We go by what the Scripture says. But secondly, the Holy Spirit often speaks to us through our feelings. Watch this. The feelings that are connected to the fruit of the Spirit. Because have you noticed, there are particularly two fruits of the Spirit that have to do with feelings. Joy and peace. Here's the difference. When it's the joy and peace of the Holy Spirit, it abides. It remains. What do you mean, Pastor? There's sometimes when I make, have to make a decision, and even though circumstances are contrary, even though I'm hearing voices saying, don't do it, there's this peace in me. That says it's okay to proceed forward. And it's not a peace that is fleeting, that comes and goes. It's a peace that abides, that remains. That's the Holy Spirit. Because Colossians 3 tells us in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule or umpire in your hearts. So when the peace, it's the peace of the Spirit of God, it will remain. It will abide. And it's letting you know it's okay to proceed forward. Then there's other times it's the joy of the Holy Spirit, that it doesn't make sense in the natural. How can I be so glad? How can I be so joyful when I'm dealing with the stressful situation that I'm going through right now? How is it that I have this unspeakable, undescribable joy? It's the Holy Spirit letting you know you're in this to win this. You're in this because I put you in this situation. Chill out. You're going to be okay. I've got you. I'm, walk, I'm walking with you. I'm going to lead you through this. That's when you know it's the Holy Spirit guiding you. Through your feelings. And then the third one, the Holy Spirit is present even when we can't feel the Spirit's presence. So let me tell you what I shared. Back in 1996, I went through a time of deep depression, anxiety, at a level I've never experienced in my life. And for a period of about six to eight months, I didn't feel anything regarding the presence of God. In fact, at that time, we took a a leave of absence for about six weeks. And part of what we would do would go to my father-in-law's and mother-in-law's home in the Bay Area. And then we would attend church there. But I can tell you, early on in that process, there were times I was in the church building. I wanted to run out. I didn't want to be there. I was full of fear, anxiety. And I just felt, I need to get out. I remember a time being in a pastor's gathering, and I I didn't want to be there. I I, I felt I need to get out. Here's what you need to know. During that time, I did not sense God's presence like I've known it. What I would do on the daily, I'd wake up, I'd pray in the Holy Spirit. And after that six- to eight-month period, the day came when breakthrough happened. Then I wondered, why is it that even though I was praying in the Spirit, I I wasn't really sensing the Holy Spirit like I've known it. And the Father was communicating to me. But He was there. How did you make it day after day? And because you employed the Spirit's language, the gift I've given you, 
you were strengthened to make it through in spite of your fear, in spite of your anxiety, because he's your helper. He's your helper, even when you don't sense him. But when you employ the gift of the Spirit, you got to know there is an inner strengthening happening. And that's why now, when Pastor Angel gets hit, I bounce right back. Why? Because that period of six to eight months of not feeling anything built me up as I was praying in the Holy Spirit to such a degree when I faced something, I was like, please. Why? God was taking me through a dark night of the soul to reinforce my own soul. And now the conviction is based on what I know. That the Holy Spirit is present even when you don't sense His presence. And that if you employ what He's given you, it will sustain you for another day, for another round. I want to say to all of us here, if you're a child of God, you have the right to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's not a Pentecostal thing, it's a biblical thing. And if you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm going to charge you, for the love of God, please pray in the Spirit every day. You have this gift with these benefits that give you the upper hand in warfare, why would you keep it on the back burner? Then there's believers, and I find this even today. Well, I, I had the gift, but I can't speak in tongues because i got to wait to feel what I felt the first time I received it. No, you don't. Once you have it, it's yours forever. Pray in the Spirit. You don't have to wait for goosebumps. You don't have to wait for someone anointing you with oil. You don't have to wait for falling in His presence and then speaking. No, you have it in you. Employ it. Utilize it. Build yourself up. Father, I thank You for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It is only by your spirit that we can carry out your work in a way that results in fruit that will last. And I thank you, Jesus, that not only are you the Savior, you're the baptizer with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I thank you for this precious gift. It's more than a thing. It's a person. Empowering. Energizing. Strengthening reinforcing, building up, bracing your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm praying that you would do what you promised to do in these days. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. You said it through Joel. Peter confirmed it in Acts. And you said your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Upon 
my men servants, handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit. God, we need your spirit today. We're in a warfare that requires your divine power. That requires your divine leading and strategy. And you offer to us your gift for us. The promise of the Father, Jesus said. (laughs) Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I'm going to open up this altar right now. You say, Pastor, I need the Spirit of God. I need His power. I need to be strengthened. I need to be revived. I need to be restored within. I need to be braced. There's some areas that I know in my life that need reinforcement. I realize the Spirit provides that and I want it. I want you to make your way forward. Maybe you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you want more. You hunger for all that God has for you. Come as well. This is your opportunity. The Father is ready to grant His gifts to His children. Others of you, you need an oil change. You need fresh oil. You've been running on that old anointing for a while, and it's an oil change you need. The psalmist said, He anoints me with fresh oil. I have the strength of an ox. With that fresh oil comes a new strength that will empower you to handle more. More responsibility, more challenge with the strength that will support, that will sustain come as well. This is your moment. In Jesus' name, I want more. I need the Spirit. Come, come, come. You're watching online as well. Just ask the Father, Father, I want your Spirit. Give me your Spirit. Give me your Spirit. I need your Spirit. As this song is played, I'm continuing to leave this altar open right now for those of you that want what the Father is giving today, you come.